as I've been praying, just asking the Lord specifically for this congregation, just a word and um, what He's laying on my heart and for this congregation. But I kind of felt even this week as I was preparing, because I was preaching in Hartenbos as well, there was something else that the Lord was laying on my heart for them specifically. So I do believe that this word is for for us, but I want you to carry it out this year and, uh, and tell people about it, that this is something that we can set our course with for this year. I mean, we all come fresh into a new year. Some of us, like, have not been on holiday. Some of us have been working all the way through, like me. I'm going on holiday tomorrow. Thank you, Jesus. So yes, uh, Adrian asked us upstairs, so what are you thankful for on my holiday? Thank you, Jesus. But it's good to spend time with you tonight and just hear what the Lord is saying. So Father, tonight open our hearts, open our ears that we will hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Not, not what I'm saying, what the Holy Spirit is saying. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Words. Words. Words can mean different things to each one of us. Depends on the situation that you find yourself in. Take, for instance, the word pain. To someone who has never suffered pain in their life, it will definitely hold a different meaning than it would hold to Polis experienced pain. Paulus had kidney stones and he's broken his leg and lay next to a rugby field for like an hour or two and craziness. Hey? And he and had a grinder in his leg, yeah, also. So Paulus has experienced a few, yeah, uh, incidents of pain. So I've never broken anything. I can't believe it. After 50 years, I've never broken anything. I've never been stung by a bee either. That's impressive, I know. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) No, 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 no. Thank you, Lord, for keeping me. So pain for Polis and pain for me is two different things, really. If you think about it, the word. What about the word love? To a five-year-old, the word love means something different than to Sheldon and Michaela. Very different. They got married last weekend. And when a word is a word of experience, when a word is a word of experience, then the experience of them who use it and those that hear it will define its meaning. So if I use and I've experienced pain, and if I use that in my context, you will understand what pain really is. Because I'm using it as my experience. Words which describe an experience have a basic meaning. But it is life that decides what the intensity of that meaning is. Let me say that again. Words which describe an experience, and I'm getting to it. This is my intro. There's a reason why I'm using this. 
Words which describe an experience have a basic meaning. But it is life that decides what the intensity of that meaning is. And it brings me to our verse this evening in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Let's read that quickly. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. There's two words there that stand out for me, hunger and thirst. Now, I'm sure in the context where Jesus is speaking, this is the Beatitudes. This is the fourth Beatitude, the Bergrede. Mooi, ne? Ja. When Jesus was speaking to his disciples, but also those that were standing around, and they were, they were asking questions, and he is telling them, this is the fourth one of that, the fourth beatitude. And in that Palestinian context that Jesus brought this word, these two words had very different meanings than in our 21st century context. Very different. I'm sure that's, that there's very few of us that have ever experienced real hunger. Who's really been hungry? I mean, I'm talking, no, 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 hungry. No, no, Ethan, no, Ethan. Don't put up your hand, Ethan. Don't, you just ate. I watched him. <laughs> That's good. That's the attitude. But you should have it for Jesus. We'll get to that point. But like, really, I mean, who's been really, really hungry and thirsty? I went for three days without water and, and, and food. One liter of water in three days, and without food, I was in the Navy. I was in the Army. Who's gone for longer than that? Not, volunt not, not fasting, guys. Not fasting. Not fasting. Then you should be saturated with Jesus, and your hunger should be satisfied with Jesus. That's why you fast. Otherwise, it's just a hunger strike. I'm not talking hunger strikes. I'm not talking fasting. Who's really not had food for more than three days? Kheru. I'm not going to ask you why. <laughs> Who's gone for more than three days without water? Without water. So here's something interesting. In this Palestinian context, the average, the average wage of a person during the day was one drachma or one denarii, which is equivalent to two rand in our money right now. Two rand. I did the conversion. So imagine you worked six days a week, 12 rand a week, nothing. What can you buy? I'm sure that you're not going to eat a lot of meat. Ethan, just a bit of rice and beans. So in their context, they understood what it meant to be hungry. When Jesus used this. Hunger couldn't just be satisfied with a snack. This was a hunger that threatened their life. This was the difference between life and death for them. And it's the same with thirst. 
So few of us can actually say that we were truly thirsty. We open a tap and there's water. Not in this context. In the Palestinian context, they would travel from a, a spring or a well to another spring or another well. So I would journey to another city and I would hear there would be two wells in between there. So I would stop at this well and draw water from it. But I never knew if that well is blocked. I could be caught in the middle of the desert with sand in my mouth with no water. So can you see in their context, hunger and thirst is two different things than it's in our context today. People who lived and experienced these conditions knew the thirst which has to be satisfied if a man is to survive. Just to survive, I need to be satisfied. I need my thirst and my hunger to be satisfied. Blessed is the man who longs for righteousness as a starving man longs for food and as a man dying of thirst longs for water. That's really what Jesus is saying. Psalm 42, let's read this. Just a few verses that we're going to read together. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. Verse 2. My soul, my mind, my emotions, and my will. That's what the soul is. Thirst for God is your will that you thirst so much for God. Is your will, is your mind so fixed on Him that you only thirst for Him? My soul thirsts for God. For the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? I just want to be with Him. This is what the psalmist was writing about. This is what the prophets used to describe the longing of the soul of man for God. Psalm 63 verse 1, let's read that one quickly. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul, there it is again, thirsts for you. My flesh fights for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I'm asking you, how hungry are you? How thirsty are you? How hungry and how thirsty are you for more of Jesus in 2024? Isaiah 55, verse 1 and 2, let's read that quickly. Come everyone, this is an invitation. Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters and he who has no money. There was a time that people paid for water. There was a time that people would pay for water. Believe you me, you would pay anything if you were stuck in the middle of the desert and somebody brought a two liter of Aquila water to you and they asked you 200 rand. Believe me, they did it in 2020 in lockdown. They paid a thousand rand for a bottle of whiskey. But if you're thirsty, you will pay 200 rand. You'll pay whatever it takes. 
to get that bottle of water. But he says, he who has no money, come buy and eat. How does that work? No, 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 you get it for free. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Verse 2. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Delight yourself in him. The prophet here in Isaiah is inviting us to come and drink freely from the waters of life. So coming back to our scripture in Matthew 5 verse 6. Do you desire righteousness with that intensity? This is a challenging demand. And which Jesus continually confront us with. Let me show you quickly. See how he challenges in Matthew chapter 29, verse 16 to 22. This is, rich, this is a story of the rich young ruler. You have it? Matthew 19. Is it right? 29. I should put my glasses on. Don't you have it? Sixteen to twenty-two, Matthew. You have it. There we go. And behold, a man came up to him, saying, "Teacher, what good deeds must I do to have eternal life?" And he said to him, "Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments." And he said to him, "Which ones?" And Jesus says, "You shall not murder." You shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's pretty much the whole law. The young man said to him, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you'll have treasures in heaven. And come, follow me. When the, great, when the young man heard this, he went away. Sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He wasn't prepared to part with his great treasure. The young man came and asked, pleaded an actual fact for eternal life. He said he kept all the commandments from his youth. He was a good man, but Jesus confronted him with this demand. Not a suggestion, my friends, a demand that he should sell all that he has given and, and give it to the poor. What did Jesus really say to him? He said this to him. Do you want eternal life as much as that? And he said, I'd rather pick that. Jesus asked him, are you prepared to sacrifice the luxuries of this life to gain eternal life? And then he was presented with this demand. In verse 5, Matthew 19 verse 5, it says that when the young man heard this, or verse 15, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. The last verse there. 
Are you prepared to follow Jesus? Are you prepared to follow Jesus in 2024, anywhere and anytime? I'm not setting you up for anything. I'm asking you, are you prepared to do that? Because that is hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus asked this to one of that wanted to follow him in Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Listen to this. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. I think a lot of people do that. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What did Jesus say to him when he asked that, when he said that? In effect, Jesus was saying to him, do you want to follow me enough to face a life like that? You might never have a bed to sleep in. You might sleep like foxes have holes. I have nowhere. I'm most probably going to sleep under a tree tonight. I might not have enough food even tonight to eat. But are you prepared to lay down your life and follow me? We have luxuries, my friends. We open a tap and there's water. We flush a toilet. We do all these things. And maybe Jesus is asking you today that you might need to follow him to places that those luxuries are no more. Jesus also challenged his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. <clears throat> Whoever loves father or mother more than me. Are you all reading that? not my words, it's the Bible. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. These are disciples. These are people that have followed him. Do you want to be my disciple enough to put me unconditionally first in your life is Jesus' question. Unconditionally, you put me first. Now, I want to conclude with what this beatitude, this blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, what it means, what it says about the Christian life really for us. There is a demand. There is a demand. This is most probably the most demanding beatitude of all of them. You can go read all of them in Matthew chapter 5. The Christian life is not for the one that wants to dabble. The Christian life is not for the amateur. It's not for the one that wants to like, yeah, let's try it. Let's give Jesus a go. It's not. It isn't even for the interested. I'm interested in, in religion. I'm interested in Christianity. I'm interested in this Jesus of yours. It's not even for those that are just attracted to it. It is for those that desire righteousness. As a matter of of life and death. 
It's not just for the one that says maybe. Is Jesus the most important reality in your life tonight? In 2024? We as Christians do not say, I'm intrigued and interested by this Jesus. We as Christians say this in Philippians chapter 1 verse 21, for me to live is Christ. There is no other life. The Bible is very clear that the double-minded man is unstable in all his way. That you cannot sit and waver between two opinions. God asked that. He says, how long will you waver between two opinions? 17 years I've been praying for my mother-in-law. 17 years I've been married to Debbie. And two days ago, I led her to Jesus. Two days ago. For 17 years, she's been wavering between two opinions. She's interested. She reads a little dachstukkie. She listens to a little bit of Uncle Angus in the morning. She's interested in Jesus. No, no. Are you hungry? Murich, are you hungry? Are you thirsty for Jesus? Are you hungry? I'm asking this question because this is a matter of life and death. We do not say, I would like to come to terms and to some arrangement with this Jesus. Let me bargain a little bit with him. No, 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 no. We say, I surrender all. I surrender all. And what do we hunger and thirst for? It's righteousness. What is righteousness? Such a beautiful word, this word righteousness. It's the word di diakos. It's the word, and it means this. It is the quality of being upright. In its simplest sense, it conveys the idea of conformity to a standard or a norm. What is the standard? What is the norm? Jesus. Jesus is the standard. There's no other standard. We conform to that standard. We don't conform to the patterns of this world. We don't conform to the ways of, of, of the politics, of anything. We conform only to Him. Righteousness is amazing because it's actual fact the opposite of sin. The chaos is the opposite of hamartia, which means sin, to miss the mark with God. So, in other words, righteousness is hitting the mark with God. You're in the will of God. That's what righteousness is. And that's what he says. If you're hungry and thirst for that, it's the rightness of character before God and the rightness of actions before men. Righteousness is all that God is. Righteousness is all that He commands. Righteousness is all that He demands. 
It's all that he approves and that all that he provides through Jesus Christ. So, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. After the affirmation comes the promise, for they will be satisfied. If you are hungry and thirsty and listen to this word, satisfied, it means, listen to this, it means to feed with grass or hay, and then to eat one's full, resulting in a state of being satisfied. Eat one's full, to the full. It is used in the context of feeding of animals until they wanted nothing more. They were allowed to eat until they were completely satisfied. It's the picture of an animal who stayed at the feeding trough until they wanted nothing more to eat. In other words, you can be more than satisfied with Jesus. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. I don't need anything more than him. The beautiful thing is, is that same word is used in the context where he says, first seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these other things will be added unto you. I'd like to read this verse in the ending. I'd like to read this verse in the following way. Blessed is the one who continually longs to know Christ's righteousness experientially and walk steadfastly conformed to his will as a starving man longs for food and a man perishing of thirst longs for water. For that one will be truly satisfied, fully filled. We need the attitude of Asaph in Psalm 73, verse 25 to 26. I'm ending with this. Whom have I? Maybe this is your question tonight. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Let's close our eyes quickly. Can you say that this evening? That you are my portion forever. Everything else might fail. Your business might fail. Lots of things might fail in your life. But Jesus is enough. We've built on relationships. We've built on, we've built on the wrong foundations. We need to build on Jesus. Are you continually longing to know Christ more? Are you continually longing for more of Jesus tonight? I want to start off with 
praying for the first group of people. And the first group would be those that don't know him. You've never met Jesus. You've never had a relationship with Jesus. You are not even hungry or thirsty for him. But tonight you realize in your heart that you need Jesus. You realize that I cannot carry life on with life without Jesus. Then I would love you to pray. I would love to pray with you. I would love to you to stick up your hand, quickly put up your hand and say, Stefan, that's me. I'm here. Tonight, I want to surrender my heart. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. That's where I want to start. Is there anybody here that says, yes, that's me, Stefan? That's me. I would love you to pray with me. It says, that's me. Don't miss it like my mother-in-law for 17 years. Today is the day of salvation. And she was very shy on Christmas Day. She didn't want to put her hand up. It took me a week to get to her and pray for her. Don't be shy. This is the biggest and best decision you'll make in your entire life. Say, yes, I'm here to serve Jesus. That's me, Stefan. Anybody? If you're really that shy, please come and talk to me afterwards. I'd love to pray with you. And then secondly... I want to ask every single person here tonight. Are you hungry? And are you thirsty in 2024 for more of Jesus? I would like you to stand. If you say, that's me. That's me. And I would like us to sing a song. I surrender. That's what we're singing, eh? We're still there. Thank you. I don't do this by faith. I know. I prepped them. But let's sing this song as a declaration, as a prayer unto Jesus to say, Lord, have your way. Not my way, Lord. Not my will, Lord. Have your way in 2024. Anywhere, anytime, God. And maybe... Maybe you're standing here and there are things that you have placed higher than Jesus. There are things that you have made an idol. Maybe it is your spouse. Maybe it is your children. I know we love our children. Listen, Jesus loves your children more than you can love your children. Maybe it's time that you lay your children at the feet of Jesus. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your money. I don't care what it is tonight. Make Jesus number one tonight and hung, be hungry, yeah. be thirsty for more of Him. Let's sing the song together.